Live from Interaction Media Studios in Morgantown, West Virginia, we want to welcome you to the Healthy Harrison podcast. This is a show designed to help you change your state. I'm Amy Haberbosch-Wilson, president of Healthy Harrison, and our co-host is Brock Malcolm, vice president of Healthy Harrison Board of Directors and also a local healthcare attorney. Welcome, Brock. Thanks, Amy. We're streaming this program live on the Healthy Harrison Facebook page, as well as the statewide distribution network of our media partner, WestVirginaNews.com. Every week at this time, we chat with individuals who are focused on the mission of Healthy Harrison, fostering measurable improvement to the health and the well-beings of the citizens of North Central West Virginia. Today, we're back in the studio again, this week talking about cognitive, vocal, and physical health with our guest, Rhea Dyer. Welcome, Rhea. Thank you. Rhea is the owner and CEO of Best Life Therapy and Integrated Speech Solutions. Both companies provide contracted school-based therapy services. Best Life Therapy provides services via West Virginia's Birth to Three program. Rhea has been working to secure vital services to students and families of West Virginia for the past 13 years. Rhea is also the president of West Virginia Speech Language Hearing Association, which is the professional organization for speech and hearing professionals in our state. So we'll just jump right in and Rhea and have you tell us a little about yourself and about the companies. Oh, hi. Yes. Um, so I am a speech language pathologist by trade. Um, so that's my, uh, in essence, my day job. Um, my, my evening job is I um, am the CEO of, of those two companies where we provide services all over the state of West Virginia, uh, mostly speech, occupational and physical therapy and mostly in pediatric populations. But we do do serve some adults and lots of young adults. Um, so we like to think that we're helping form healthy habits at young ages that would hopefully carry over into adult lives. So, <clears throat> Well, you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about the Best Life Therapy and how it plays into the health and the well-being of North Central West Virginia. Yeah. So, um, you know, we are, we are out there uh, working in West Virginia's early intervention program, which is serving children and families birth to three years old. We do that in home visits and natural environments. So we're helping with um, cognitive speech and language health, physical health, development in those areas. And then as we come out of the um, young children and babies realm, uh, those, those families get to see us typically again in schools where we are helping to habilitate and also rehabilitate skills. Um, so it just depends on our involvement, our interaction with the case, uh, what what we're doing uh, for that particular child, but also mostly in um, the cognitive, speech language, occupational, physical health realms. Well, maybe you could talk a little bit more about what you're doing with the schools, and also, um, are most of your referrals uh, from other healthcare providers, or is this something that if a parent sees a need in their child, that they could reach out to you? Yeah, so most of our services traditionally have been um, either school-based or through uh, West Virginia's Early Intervention Program. We do operate a small um, private clinic where we see um, some clients privately. So you mentioned that in the case that you have a parent who's concerned about their child and they need a therapist of some sort, uh, depending on their concern, then they can reach out to us and you know possibly secure some services that way. That's been a real kind of budding area of, of our field and us specifically as a group and, and what we see as an area of need. So we're, we'll be looking probably to expand that, that opportunity 
um, in the future so parents and families can gain better access uh, to things outside of the school system or some setup program like early intervention. So your main audience would be, I guess, children, and you said you do some adults. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. How do the, adult, the adults come into this? Is it by reference or? Yeah, yeah, so um, we do provide uh, some contract work in acute care hospitals, long-term care facilities, um, not the bulk of what we do, but, um, you know, we do see some of those people. And then we also have some young adults who are maybe transitioning from school into the next phase of their lives, whatever that might be. And they may still have some needs or some things that, uh, their families or they themselves want to continue to address. So we have a population of, you know, really an 18 to 25, 18 to 30 population that may be kind of a continuation after school um, scenario. So you're also dealing with adults who have head injuries or stroke or, you know, as far as your speech therapy? Correct. Yep. Um, that's probably the most common thing, you know, people think of when uh, they think of our involvement, you've had some sort of an accident, you've had some sort of a brain injury or a, a brain insult, like a, you know, stroke, um, or you've had, um, you know, you've been in a car accident. Uh, you've been in a slip and fall, you've, you know, done something to injure yourself either physically or cognitively. Um, there are also some kind of lesser known avenues of our fields as well. Um, we work a lot in vocal health. So um, our people who are coaches, um, cheerleaders, teachers, uh, sometimes where they have a lot of vocal strain. Um, sometimes they'll have very hoarse quality to their voice or they've lost their voice for some unknown reason. Um, and sometimes that's, that's due to like a vocal abuse, you know, they're overusing or they're straining their voice, which is creating, um, you know, a strain in their, in their entire head and neck system and, you know, causing some sort of damage. Um, we do that a lot with singers. Um, most, most all, you know, large scale, you know, singers or pop stars, they have vocal coaches. And sometimes those are speech language pathologists training them how to use their voice appropriately so they can perform 300 concerts a year or um, maintain that level of health since that is their livelihood. Um, and so in people who are, you know, coaches or like I said, teachers, fitness instructors, you know, things like that, people who may really be um, they need their voice for, you know, for their occupation. Um, also working on uh, helping either habilitate those skills or possibly rehabilitate those skills if, if they've had, you know, some sort of an injury to their vocal system. You talk about, um, you keep saying we, which is great, that you, the two companies, <clears throat> uh, talk about your staff, the staff of the two, and I'm sure they overlap quite a bit. They do. So the real distinction between the two companies, um, Best, Life, Best Life Therapy provides services that are all um, on site and face-to-face. Uh, -face. So our staff and they are a mix of speech pathologists, occupational therapists, physical therapists, um, social workers, psychologists, dietitians. Um, they're going into schools or they're going into homes to provide services. Uh, integrated Speech Solutions, they are a similar group in terms of occupation, but all of those services are provided virtually. So 
Um, these may be places that are very remote, um, very difficult to access, have not had the, the children in those places may have lacked a continuity of services. So they're looking for something to be uh, more regular. And in that model, we get the chance to see those students more often because we're not driving or traveling or, you know, maintaining, you know, a physical presence where there's only, you know, one us, we get to see those students at a lot more um, frequency and intensity, which is just a little bit of a um, customized model and a, and a complement to our on-site services. So that's, that's the real distinction between the two groups. You know, you talked about cognitive um, health and, and I know that as people start to age, they start to think more about that as they lose memory or, uh, you know, a lot of us have grandparents who maybe had dementia or, um, you know, some cognitive issue and, and, there's so many things that we can do to take care of our bodies, but many times people don't realize what they can do to take care of their mind. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what you do with individuals to maintain good cognitive health. Yeah, um, it's one of those uh, sort of invisible health items. You know, you can see if, you're, if your arms are weak or your legs are weak and you can lift weights and you can walk and you can do all these things to maintain physical health, but uh, the, the, the real, you know, central hub to all of that is your brain, who is, you know, feeding all of that, all of that uh, physical um, neuro response to be able to do that. But it's also controlling all of your uh, cognitive functions. It's controlling all of your um, reaction, uh, your ability to physically react, your ability to verbally react. It's your language center. Um, so as, as people, you know, start to age and they may hit a retirement, you know, where they kind of slow down, maybe out of a professional world that keeps them very engaged and cognitively active. Um, it's really important that you do things that continue to challenge your mind. Um, they're really easy things to do, but, um, people who continue to read books and, you know, read books for comprehension, a great way to keep your mind active. It keeps all those skills sharp, keeps your vision um, and your ability to decode, you know, words, your ability to process that language in a written format. Um, the people who are big crossword puzzle uh, people, that's a great tool. Um, doing logic puzzles. My personal favorite are the Sudoku puzzles, you know, number puzzles. Um, so not just sitting down and watching TV, you know, all day, which is not, not challenging any really part of your mind, um, doing something that provides a level of challenge where you have to, you know, process something, you have to figure something out, uh, you have to work through, you know, a problem. Uh, those are great things uh, to challenge your mind. And lucky enough with, you know, all of us, you know, typically having a smartphone or, you know, something like that, there are some really great um, puzzle apps or, you know, crossword puzzles or things where we used to just have to source out of the newspaper every day or, you know, get a, a crossword puzzle book. Now there's, you know, all kinds of handheld resources to do those things. And really just five or 10 minutes a day um, of that kind of challenge really, really keeps you, you know, moving. Um, in addition to maintaining some of your own um, finances, uh, you know, keeping track of your own funds, you know, paying bills. I know a lot of older people have assistance in doing that. 
but I always encourage families who are uh, possibly at that phase where they might be stepping in, you know, to help a family member to try and let them, you know, do it on their own instead of just taking it off their plate and handling it entirely because it's a really valuable activity to have to process a bill, you know, transfer an amount of money write a check, you know, for something that is a level of problem solving and a, and a cognitive brain activity. Um, and something that we work on when, when we're working on, you know, rehabilitating people who maybe have had brain injuries. Um, we're working on tasks like that. Here's your list of bills for the month, you know, let's process payment for these and, you know, get these out the door as a, you know, as an activity for, for cognitive retraining. So you say challenging, is that the same as exercising your brain? Yeah. yeah, it is. What that that is exercising okay. your brain. You know, we go out and walk a few laps. You know, and that's exercising. You know, our heart, and that's exercising our lungs, and that's exercising our respiratory system and our muscular system. This is exercise for your brain. So um, it's equally important, um, and it's not as tiring as going out and walking three miles. So um, if you gave me my preference, I would do the Sudoku puzzle before I'd probably go out right. and jog or run. But, um, but you know, we, we go through our days and we think that is the important thing. You know, let me get out and walk. I need to get to the gym. Um, and just don't forget about, about your brain um, because it does prevent atrophy and it does um, help to prevent lack of use. Uh, which are things that that start factoring into dementia. That was and, my next question. What happens um, with, if you don't? What happens to your brain if you're not exercising it? Yeah, you know, think of it. Think of it as, you know, having a person who has been in some sort of an accident and has been in a a coma, an, in, an induced coma for a period of time. If you've ever been exposed to somebody like that, they don't just wake up and and you know say. Oh, how long have I been asleep? You know, what's been going on? Who won the football game? You know, there's an entire process to regaining that level of, of cognition and every single thing that you do at every moment, whether I'm raising my hand or forming a word or shaking my head or scratching my eye, all of that is controlled in a split second in your brain. Your brain is sending a message. Rhea wants to move her hand. Hurry, make it move. Um, so every single response, every single thing that your body does is some sort of synapse in your brain. And when you are not utilizing your mind and body, your synapses get lazy. And they're like, well, I mean, maybe we don't need to do this anymore. So let's just, you know, we're just going to kind of forget about that part. Maybe we just don't need it anymore. Shut that department down. And you don't want to let any particular part of your brain, you know, shut down. You want to keep it active and you want to keep it healthy and you want to keep it working because the, the older you get, um, the harder it is to kind of get back up and get going. You know, when you're 25 years old and you break your leg and you're like, oh, I was in a cast and you pop back up and you're like, I'm back. When you're 80 and you break your leg, it's a little bit more of a process, you know, to get to get back, you know, and, and mobile. And that same logic applies applies to your brain. It's harder to get it back once you once you've let it um, really start to deteriorate. Right, which makes sense. I want to remind everybody um, our podcast today is brought to you 
by Western Medicine, UHC, WVU, The State Journal, WestVirginianews.com, and Interaction Media. So we're talking today with Rhea Dyer on uh, mental health today. So, Well, maybe um, we can talk a little bit more about the vocal health that you were mentioning before. You know, as you pointed out, there's a lot of kids who are engaged in activities, whether it's singing at a young age or cheerleading or, or even in some sports, you know, you're constantly, you know, around crowds. And so you're having to raise your voice. Um, what are, what are some of the, the, the problems that you see the kids run into? And then what as parents can we be doing on our own to try to alleviate some of those problems before they need to get to you? Yeah. So the, and this has, um, this discussion is a lot like the kids always having headphones or, you know, earbuds in their ear. And the, you know, a lot of the concern is about their auditory health. Are they going to need hearing aids, you know, at a lot, you know, younger ages because they have so much noise, you know, all the time it's, it's that same thing. Um, but just with your voice, um, I have young children and, you know, we're, we're out at sporting events or we're doing things and kids are playing a lot more year round sports or if they're cheerleading, they're cheerleading all year round. They're not doing it as much in a very limited season. Um, so when you are doing something and cheerleading is a great example because it does involve a lot of constant vocal potential strain. So you have young children who are forming these habits and they're constantly potentially overusing their voices. <clears throat> they're yelling, they're screaming, um, they're, you know, doing their cheers and, and things. And that sort of constant vocal overuse or abuse can start to damage those vocal folds. Um, in the same way, constant loud noise is going to start damaging your hearing. Um, so we obviously don't want to see that, you know, in young children because those habits, you know, start to carry forth. Um, and if you're, and if you're a cheerleader from ages five, you know, to 20, that's a long time, um, to be, to have that, that sort of vocal abuse. And the more and more that I'm around young children, I, I'm starting to pick out a little bit more like, oh, that kid just sounds hoarse, you know, and, you know, you can pick those things start to pick those things out um, in, you know, kids who play a lot of, you know, loud sports that require them, you know, to yell or overuse their voice. Um, oftentimes also kids don't have the, the greatest health habits in other ways, you know, drinking enough water, um, you know, help keeps your whole system lubricated, including your vocal folds. Um, so, you know, they're out there in sporting events and doing things. They're not thinking about drinking water or, you know, doing that in between a, you know, in between cheers or in between routines, um, and things. And, um, so that sort of constant vocal abuse, when you start to see those things, you start to see some raspiness or hoarseness, which are a lot of the most common, um, things that you start to see when you're, when you're overusing your voice. You, at that point, you've got a problem. So you, you've got to start reining it in and uh, you have to start changing your habits. And if they get to the point where they're coming to me, you know, I'm going to start recommending that 
maybe we don't uh, cheer at the highest decibel level, that we can do that with a loud voice before we get to a scream, you know, type thing. Um, but those are those are recommendations and and everything that you would do are things that if you would change that, just change that habit before you had a problem, you'd be much less likely to have an issue. So really, if, if to answer your question of how do parents or, you know, how do they get ahead of some of these things, um, really encouraging your kids not to get to that level of scream or yell. I mean, there's a way to do a cheer. There's a way to talk loudly without getting to that point where you are yelling or screaming. Um, and that is really probably the best advice you could give somebody who is, is looking to possibly form healthy habits um, in terms of their voice. Um, so they don't get in a constant habit of that, that constant abuse and overuse um, if they start to wake up with a sore throat or their voice starts to feel tired, you've overdone it. So, you know, you need to, you know, bring that back, you know, to a more manageable level. Um, and then encouraging them always have a water bottle with you. Take, you know, take some breaks. Um, really pay attention to uh, um, maybe we shouldn't be, you know, doing those activities six days a week you know, or, or we need to go in phases where we give our, our voices a period of rest. Um, so just kind of paying attention to those kind of subtle things. Cause I'm also seeing that, you know, even six-year-olds practice soccer like five days a week now. So, you know, we're not doing these things one or two days a week. We're doing them all the time on weekdays and the weekends and right. everything in between. So it's not giving you an opportunity for very much vocal rest either. Do you think it's adults too? I, I, I don't think I've ever even thought about vocal health before. And now you're saying mm -hmm. this as parents. I'm also yeah. thinking of coaches, the yelling and the screaming. Yeah. And I, I always um, use my fitness instructors. Uh, these are like my go-to example, you know, for adults. I always love it when I walk into a group fitness class and they've got the little mic headset. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. You're not going to just try and scream over the people and the stomping and the music and everything else. You've gotten smart and you realized if I just put that microphone on, I can talk at a completely normal level and we can just turn the volume up on the speaker and not me turn my voice up to a point where I am yelling or abusing my voice. Um, I've seen professors, you know, do that. I see teachers, you know, do that sometimes um, now. Um, but, you know, those classifications, your coaches, fitness coaches, teachers, um, they're constantly using their voice and they may constantly be trying to talk to a large group of people or project their voice over a, a crowd or a, you know, auditorium. And those scenarios, if you start to feel like, you know, you're, you're really yelling to try and get to the back of the room, um, you should consider, you know, doing something, a lapel mic or something that can bring your voice back into a, a normal, non-abusive um, non, uh, way and, and project to your audience. Maria, you, you mentioned kids practicing soccer every day of the week. You know, I mean, it's a fine line for parents, right? Between getting their kids out and being active and then also having them stay home and be too involved in screen time. You know, we've, uh, 
we, we've got a lot of kids who, who don't get out and, and engage in physical activity enough. What do you see through your uh, work that, um, that uh, is going on in our community that maybe we need to be more aware of? Yeah. So, you know, we, we see this mostly in our, in our young, young kids when we're working kids with early intervention. Um, you know, those kids that are kind of the tablet kids, they've, they've grown up with an iPad attached to them. Um, they've had very limited interaction with playground equipment, the outside, communicating with family and friends. Uh, they're constantly engaged, you know, with this iPad. Um, it ties back into instead of cognitive health in terms of maintaining your cognitive strength with age, this factors into cognitive develop cognitive development. And so the issue that we see uh, with these kids, when you're a baby, you are born with billions of potential connections in your brain, waiting for your brain and waiting for your body to start using these things and the need for these things and these synapses and these connections start forming. Uh, when you are a you know, young, a toddler headed towards preschool age, your brain prunes out the connections that are not necessary. So, you know, you had all these billions of opportunities for connections and whatever you don't use at that sort of, you know, early childhood preschool age, your brain says, okay, well, we don't need these million connections. So we're just going to go ahead and do away with them because why would we keep them around if we don't need them? Well, what happens is if you have that that toddler that's only ever been here engaged with their screen they've not gone out to explore the world and learn how to climb learn how to jump learn how to fall and get back up again um, learn how to communicate learn how to talk learn how to respond um, learn how to you know, do these various daily tasks that we see from a time a child is born when they start moving their hands to when they start picking up their head. I mean, these are all developments that are that are happening over time. When we get those kids at four or five years old, well, some of those some of those connections have already been pruned. We don't need our legs to jump. We've never done that. So why would we need it? Gone. And it's much harder to build those things at those ages than what it should have been naturally. If kids were out playing outside, out rolling in the leaves, um, running around, learning to climb on things, playing on playground equipment, throwing balls, um, playing with other children, interacting, learning to talk with one another. Um, that's the natural progression of your physical, cognitive, social, emotional, communicative development. Um, and if you're not, developing or using those skills, your brain is saying, gone, we don't need them. Um, and, and it gets much harder to build at that point. So really, you know, it's really critical at that kind of birth to three, birth to four years old to really limit that screen time. Um, these kids will pick up iPads and computers when, when it's necessary for school, but really limiting the amount of time that they spend on those devices at those very young ages, because those are the critical development years. And that is the critical opportunity to develop so much motor 
physical, cognitive, communication, speech, language um, development. And the tablets, although you can learn things, you know, from there in, in moderation, you know, you also need to be able to learn to walk and run and jump, you know, as well. So I know we're getting close on time, but I'm just curious your opinion on the pandemic with COVID coming out. I guess in the beginning, we're going through this and I'm thinking we're we're caught up at home. It's forcing us to pull out puzzles again and read books. And you know maybe that's the adult part of it. But now you're talking about the kids, they're losing interaction. They're, they're not with their friends. They're not with school. Where do you think we are with this? Has it helped? It hurt? Of course, I think it's up and down in different areas. But I'm just curious what your opinion is. Oh. Yeah, um, <laughs> I have lots of opinions on what the <laughs> pandemic has done to our youth. But, um, I, I think it's it, it has harmed um, it, it has harmed our, our children in a in a big way. Um, it in, in our in our older you know elementary middle high school kids it it pulled them out of a of an educational academic routine. Um, we saw lots of kids who. Uh, maybe our special education, they require specialized instruction um, and the frequency and intensity and repetition of that specialized instruction is critical for not only teaching that skill, but maintaining it and, and continuing to use it, carrying it over. Uh, we saw lots of regression in, in those areas. And we have kids that in January 2022 are still not functioning at the level they were in March 2020. Um, so, you know, we would have hoped to have been gaining, you know, things since that time, but now we're, we're very much playing catch up just to try and get back to where we were. Um, for our younger kids, it, it has been very isolating. So, you know, that you mentioned that social piece. So, yeah, you have a couple of moms that, you know, meet out on the playground, let their kids toddle around together, play together, you know, do things. We're seeing a lot of kids entering preschool who are um, very, very delayed socially. Um, they, they, they don't know their names. They don't know what their parents' names are. They don't know their siblings. They don't know how to interact with other kids. Um, and as much as it, as much as my opinion, it was positive in, in some family structure ways. Cause like you said, it forced us all to interact with each other as a family and slow down. And instead of mom running to soccer practice and dad's taking the other sibling over here and we eat on the run and maybe we see each other at bedtime and who's doing this and you're doing that. It forced us to eat dinner together again. And it's like, you know, let's talk about our day and let's do a puzzle or, you know, let's have some family interaction. So that piece of it was positive in situations where there was already a family structure. But the negative there is, and especially in West Virginia, those children who thrived in school environments, they thrived in structured environments because their home lives are not enriching and supporting um, they really struggled because they went from having school or daycare or, you know, something as their interaction and enrichment to terribly situations of neglect and isolation and, you know, very, very limited interaction. Um, and we unfortunately have a lot of kids in, in that, you know, scenario in our state. So, 
you know, it, 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 it did some positive, you know, it had some positives um, and negatives, but, you know, in terms of development and, and health, I think it would probably fall more in the, in the negative, you know, category, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't um, want to end on negative. So maybe we can <laughs> spin it on a I know, on I know. positive. Give us some exercises, things we can go home and work right, on over the weekend. Fine, we'll put that little positive COVID, you know, piece <laughs> in there where it like brought back some family structure. So we've got kids at home. We're going home. Um, what are some positive things, some exercises, challenges that you can just recommend for us today? Yeah. So, you know, Break out your if you're, you're young kids, yeah, get out your puzzles, you know, work puzzles, play card games, teach your kids how to play Uno, you know, and everybody sit down and play. Those are great cognitive games. Those are great turn-taking activities that teach us kids patience and waiting your turn and logic and matching numbers and colors and, and all those things. Lots of kids games. There's tons of even new ones, you know, since I was a kid. Um, now that are great, great tools to, to sit down and interact and teach interaction and manners and behavior and, and those things, but also get outside, you know, go outside, create a makeshift obstacle course with cardboard and hula hoops. You know, you've got to hop from the pieces of cardboard and you have to do a somersault past the hula hoop and, and create a, a very motor driven, you know, activity. I know it's hard in the winter, um, you know, when everyone's a little bit more isolated and it's like we watch more TV and we just do more sedentary things. I know with my kids, we, we take a stretch in the basement and we get the couch cushions out and we stack them up and the kids have to climb over the couch cushions and then they have to land at the bottom and they have to do a somersault. And then, you know, we create this, you know, just the, the just sort of a, you know, makeshift obstacle course. To, to keep everyone moving and energetic when we, you know, when it's too cold and it's two degrees and, you know, we're obviously, you know, not, not venturing out into uh, the outside. Um, but, you know, doing those things at home, it tackles, you know, being, you know, your motor skills, you know, sharp, it tackles your physical health. You're doing some cognitive things. You're doing some speech language things. You're communicating with one another. Um, I love those, uh, the new games with like the, you know, you put the card on your head, you've got to ask questions to guess who your character is and those great brain building, you know, activities, because you have to come up with what question you're going to ask and then work through the clues, you know, to get to the end. Um, but that is the positive piece of COVID because it gave us, you know, the opportunity that we're going to be here together this evening. So let's get a board game out where when we were running, you know, just so fast paced and pedal to the metal all the time. Um, we, we didn't, we didn't kind of stop and smell the roses there and, and just sit down and play a game together. So I think that has been a, a, a positive um, outcome, but, but those are things that you can do um, specifically in the winter, you know, when it's just much more difficult to, get out in the open. True. Well, thank you. We're talking with Rhea Dyer. We're talking about mental health and vocal health. And I also want to mention um, Healthy Harrison just recently ended their Change Your State Challenge. And we have the winner and we'll say a huge congratulations to Melanie Chancy, who just won $500. So congrats to Melanie. 
And I want to thank everyone today. Thank you for joining us for the Healthy Harrison podcast. It is our goal to change your state of mind and ultimately change the state of health here throughout West Virginia. If you want more help right now, you can visit HealthyHarrison.org or visit the Healthy Harrison Facebook page and give us a like. You'll find lots of support and you can stream past episodes of our podcast on the Facebook page. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Western University Medicine, United Hospital Center, Western University, The State Journal, WesternUnionNews.com, and Interaction Media. And on behalf of Healthy Harrison, Brock and I would like to thank you for joining us today. Next week, we'll be back with Brock and Gary. We'll be talking with Audra Hamrick and Tony Morris with the WVU Health Navigator Program. We'll see you all then. Thank you.